Hey everyone, what's up? This is episode 24 of Conversations That Don't Suck. Um, So I am right now in Austin with my sisters because I'm having a shit show of a July. And so I've ended up in Austin um, and it's all a big long story and it's a big mess, but my little sister is here, which is, so we're getting a surprise, uh, um, what do we call this? A celebrity shot. What would you call it? Like a feature? A featured guest. Here it is. Okay, a featured guest is my little sister, Nadiva. You want to say something, Diva? Hey. (laughs) I've never been on a podcast before. This is so cool. Oh, my Um, God. uh, All I have to say is thanks for listening to my sister. She's a badass queen, and she's been doing this forever, and I'm so happy that she has a podcast and that you guys all listen to it. Love y'all. Oh, wow. Thanks, Diva. (laughs) wait can I can I um can I pump quell okay so Nadiva my little sister is also a badass queen who runs a fashion company in New York City called quell and can you say something about it yeah so it's basically a curated selection of vintage and designer garments and you can find us on Instagram at quell nyc follow us on Instagram and depop cool i don't know what depop is because i'm not anywhere nearly as trendy as my little sis is this i think this is like a um a perpetual thing that like people who have younger siblings like your younger sibling is always cooler than you and that's never not been true everyone i know who has younger siblings is like oh yeah no my the youngest one is definitely the coolest like our little brother who's the youngest of the family is like way just light years beyond any of us coolness wise he also it's like he has a dog and he's a girlfriend and like none of us have any of those things so he's just anyways a little bit of my family tree okay so getting into today's episode so we have Jacques Martiquet on the podcast today and Jacques is the chief celebration scientist behind Vive and I got connected to Jacques through Jan Keck who was on the podcast just a few weeks ago and Jacques is one of those people who, like, when you meet him for the first time, he is just really skilled. I I can't even call it a skill because I think it just comes totally naturally to him um, to just make you feel so loved and adored. And, like, he's so excited to be around you, which is such a beautiful thing because it can be intimidating to meet someone new for the first time. And this is this is Jacques' whole thing is he helps people celebrate and create Um, gatherings that make people feel special and help people collaborate and help people to yeah really make celebration something that uh, is not just about like partying with alcohol and drugs but is rather about like the co-creation and sourcing of joy so we had a really beautiful conversation about that and I think y'all will really love it and Jacques is a really special person so he's uh he's fun to listen to and fun to talk to all right, I'm going to stop myself for now, and I hope you enjoy the episode with Jacques. Thanks so much for listening. We live in a world that is starved for more authentic connection. Better conversations are our first step in getting there. Welcome to Conversations That Don't Suck. I'm your host, Kyla Sokol Ward, and I'm here to engage you in truth-telling discussions about the super deep, always beautiful, sometimes ugly, and wholly honest parts of being a human. Real connection and empathic communication can feel easy and should be a part of our everyday lives. Most of our conversations suck. These ones don't. Jacques, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Woohoo! Yeah, Kyla. <laughs> um, I'm excited that Jan connected us. Yes. And we've had so many awesome conversations and I've, I'm so happy to get you into this 
you are, you are a human connection professional, Kyla. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, from one human connection professional to another, it means a lot. So thank you. What's, uh, what's been the theme of your day so far? I have, okay, I was actually debating which question I wanted to ask you to start this mm. off. And it was either that or like, what's the weirdest thing you've done today? Because I had a feeling you would have an answer to that. And I think most people uh, would. <laughs> well, first of all, I love... I love asking people about weird things because every human is super weird. And when we just like put it out in the open and we're like, oh, I'm weird, you're weird. Let's talk about how we're both weird. It just creates that solid psychological safety. Mm -hmm. Um, The theme of today is catch up. So over the weekend, I was doing a lot of reflection with some of my close friends. It involved us going into a rowboat and almost tipping and going on a hike. Um, so I'm, I'm playing catch up, but I feel so rejuvenated. And then the weirdest thing that I've done today is, uh, so I just did some power poses to a song. Have you heard of like power poses and like power breath? Yes, there's yeah. a TED talk on this, right? Yeah, but it's like, yeah. And then Tony Robbins like adds this whole new element where he's like, all right, now breathe in and exhale through your nose. <gasps> yes. Yeah, yes. And it, yeah, it changes your changes your physiology. I yeah, like have, the, the raspy Tony impression, by the way. So. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The vocal training, though, is something that I've been getting uh, getting on. I I think that yeah, just in terms of like social relationships, like we really under exaggerate the power of our voice in communicating tone Mm. and authority. And, but yeah, tell me, um, what is one weird thing that happened to you recently? Gosh, well, it's funny because as soon as I asked, like, as soon as you were saying like, oh, we all have weird thing, we're all weird. I have such a hard time. I feel like you're someone who like specializes in this, but I have such a hard time. Like, extracting the weird from myself i'm like i'm I'm definitely weird i just like i can't it doesn't feel really like on the surface to me for me i like i know it's there but i think because i'm more shy i'm like i'm weird but i don't know maybe i'm not i I don't know how i'm weird and i would like it to be more obvious so i Mm. something weird that sounds i don't know i can't think of anything kyla I'm I'm calling bullshit. Here. I know. I think I know. you're a total weirdo. Okay, <laughs> like running this whole like, it's it's like this. You're what? You're in this like Jewish community house, <laughs> and you run all these like lonely, like awesome social events. Wait. Oh, I thought of something. I thought of something. <laughs> <laughs> you triggered it. Okay, great. All right. So, due to like quarantine being a big bummer, my roommates and I decided one thing we wanted to do to spice things up is to um, do like an awkward family photo shoot and have the photographer like stand at a distance and like take photos of us on our front porch. And we all put on like full denim outfits and like did all these like awkward family poses together. And we got these great fucking photos out of it. And they're so funny and it's, it's great. So that was, that was a little bit of a weird thing. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, uh, Whenever I go to festivals, I um I love taking photos of people. I think that it's it's such a it's such a great way to serve strangers and also mm-hmm. like create connection. And so um 
I'll take the camera and then I'll like actually get into a photographer mode and I'll like suggest that they make different poses and I'll be like, okay, now everyone close your eyes. Imagine, imagine <laughs> you are on a remote island and you have just seen like you, you're seeing a plane fly over you and that plane could rescue you. It's just like fully <laughs> integrated. Yeah. Yeah. It was someone. So who was the photographer? She was this random woman, like a friend of a friend posted about her on Facebook and she's going around like taking photos of people for quarantine, like from oh, a distance. Beautiful. And yeah, it's super rad. And she has this like huge bus that she, and she wow. like goes to her bus and like prints them out on the bus and like just gives you the prints after she takes the photos. It's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, a project where a photographer went through the streets and he took photos of strangers together committing um doing in in intimate poses hmm. so um like yeah so he would collect he would get strangers on the street to like hug each other and and take these really like intimate uh, you know not not you know everyone wearing clothes but um, for example, one of them was a grandma and a young boy and they were mm. strangers mm. and he got them to interact in such a way that it was like they were family, right? Wow. And then he published all of them. So I haven't really exercised my photography muscles very much, um, but uh, it's definitely a powerful art form and a powerful tool to, uh, yeah, you know, capture shared memories, but also just, it's, it's kind of like a ritual. Taking a photo is like a ritual. And when, when we all work together to create a photo and especially when there's like playfulness or like improv involved, I like to use it a lot. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. I don't think I've heard anyone like describe photography in that way, but it is, that's very true. Very beautiful. It's all about the party science, Kyla. Well, well, speaking of party science, uh, <laughs> thank you for the flawless segue. <laughs> um, hold up, the... hold up. <laughs> what what comes to mind? What when comes say... to mind when you when I say party scientist? Also, <laughs> oh man, I'm not even wearing my lab coat right now. This is, <laughs> but I got my beaker with me right by my side. <laughs> oh my god, you just like your whole. The, I can't even call it a brand because it's just too superficial. Like just <laughs> who you are is just so absurd. I love it. Um, wow. What, ha what comes to mind when I think of party science? Yeah. Like the very first image is like, yeah, someone in a lab coat with all these like potions coming out of like beakers and things that are all these different R colors. Really? Kyla drugs. <laughs> drugs come to kidding. mind first. No, it's, um, <laughs> It's like all that and like the the scientist is like dancing to some like really like bass heavy mm. music. That's the first thing. Mm. And he's having a grand old time in his science lab. The other nice. thing that comes to mind, it's like maybe the more metaphorical approach, which is perhaps how you see it, which is like, yeah, like breaking down like what is the science of a really good party and gathering? Yeah. And like what, how do we do this in like the correct way? How do we make it formulaic and all of that and standardized, which I love mm, as a very mm. type A person it makes me feel very excited to think that there could be a formula to how to make a really good party. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely to me, it's both, uh, you know, you're in your lab coat, you're doing empirical experiments, testing out different methods and then documenting it. Uh, one dream that I have is to actually measure positive emotions in real time of like a group of people with heart rate variability monitors mm. and then like actually study and and for me like social bonding science is what party science is and so once you have done all the experiments then you want to apply those principles to create these really impactful social bonding experiences um and so partying, partying for me is one of the most effective ways. And I don't call it partying. I, I don't like the word partying. So that's why I've shifted my brand to more of a chief celebration scientist. Mm -hmm. um, because, uh, because, well, yeah, partying is <clears throat> something you don't often do for your health and happiness, right? It's more right. something you just do automatically. It's not something intentional like meditation or like, you know, you exercise and, and you do a bunch of other things intentionally to benefit, uh, you know, your well-being. But the, the one thing I wanted to say, the second part to party science is uh, applying the methodology to create experiences where everyone feels safe to be super weird and everyone can express themselves fully and, and, and reach a state of ecstasis. And ecstasis is a Latin term, which I, I forget the specific meaning. So let me Google it right now. <laughs> um, but it means, it means, here we go. It doesn't mean, it does not mean a pathologic dilation of the bronchi of the lung that is not what it is oh no that's what i thought it was. but i'll <laughs> i'll describe it so it means like without form so it has this connotation mm. where you're like you're almost like leaving your yourself and just embracing um uh joy mm -hmm. and so like you're putting all away all the social norms and you're just embracing um like total disinhibition uh, and so that means you can express yourselves so fully and you have, you don't have that, uh, the, the, you know, demon and angel on your shoulder speaking to you all the time. Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. How, tell us more about that specifically in the, in the vibe life. Tell us all about vibe and what, what y'all do. Awesome. Oh, Vivin. Vivin is my daily ritual. Mm -hmm. It is a new term that we invented. There's a flag behind me, two, two speakers, all, all have Vive on it. So we are trying to shift how the world gathers mm -hmm. um, at Vive. And so that's, that's the way larger mission of Vive. We believe that when a group of humans come together, there's this potential for transformation, ecstasy, euphoria, mm -hmm. and, and like just a huge benefit to one's health every time we gather. And right now, gatherings don't actually leverage ritual or synchrony or unity or psychological safety to really bring that benefit out. And so as the chief celebration scientist of Vive, I'm 
I want to give humans the ability to bring out that potential when they gather with one another. And the methods that we use are a lot around celebration because that's how we're hardwired. Our brains are hardwired to um, release all these different types of neurochemicals when we laugh together, when we sing together, when we move together, when we touch one another, maybe not, not in, in this time, maybe during mm -hmm. the pandemic, it's like the opposite effect because we're afraid. <laughs> uh, but so, so yeah, so my job at Vive is to study all these different ways to create transformative gatherings. And I believe that celebration, music, laughter, these like euphoric behaviors are so powerful. And right now they're, they're applied more uh, recreationally than they are for self-development, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Have you ever been to like a party or celebration that was like about self-development? Oh, what an interesting question. Um, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, a party or celebration, I wouldn't define these mm, things that way. Yeah, no. yeah. It's, it's not like we don't really associate them with one another, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So like using celebration and these, these super fun activities to help us uh, advance advance our progress toward a meaningful healthy life mm -hmm. is what i'm really excited about and yeah so vibing what vibing is it's when you come together in a group and you create joy and energy together mm -hmm. collaboratively and mm -hmm. it's face it's face to face or you know zoom to zoom yeah, I'm curious, Kyla, you know, in terms of your spiritual growth and, you know, the big pivots in your life, has has celebration or partying, you know, been in any of those moments or have have they been, you know, more, um, you know, perhaps intimate connections mm -hmm. and self-development trainings or what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a lot more the latter. Mm hmm um yeah I can't think of yeah, any right? kind of associations <laughs> with like parties and I, yeah and it's funny because I, I think even for me like when I first learned about you and about vibe and I like heard this word party like for me it has all these negative connotations of as a person who like I didn't when I was in high school and stuff you know everyone's starting to like drink alcohol for the first time like I didn't get on that train until I like got to college and and even still like it, it wasn't so much my thing in college and now like I really don't drink unless there's a really good reason for it which for me there almost never is I just like yeah I don't enjoy yeah. it and so for me I, I was like oh like partying like really this is the thing and then when I learned like oh no there's like a it's yeah the science of celebration and of gathering I'm like okay fuck yeah this I can get behind so <laughs> I love that there's yeah again as you're saying so much more intentionality versus partying in its classic term is a lot more of like yeah. escapism and these types of things yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, it's it's funny that you bring that up because, uh, you know, we just partnered with Smirnoff and, uh, you know, there's this misconception around alcohol having all these, but that's totally false. <laughs> just kidding. I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> um, 
yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I think that big companies like uh, vaping companies, mm-hmm. alcohol companies have essentially commodified celebration yeah. and have leveraged and have socially designed celebration to maximize the consumption of their products. Totally. And it's, it's so unfortunate because I believe that we can actually reach a higher state when we are sober because Mm -hmm. we have our full frontal lobe in action, which means that we can make intentional decisions to play or to invite someone to join the experience. And so that we can really collaborate with one another, you know, to throw someone in the air, you know, on the count of three. I've done that before too. (laughs) Um, Or we can all make a conga line or we can all like, you know, put our hands for in for a big group cheer, like all these different mini rituals that we orchestrate during our events are just not really possible if uh, everyone's intoxicated. Because Mm -hmm. for one thing, like, I'm curious, I'm curious, what what do you think of like, okay, a lot of people have really meaningful conversations when they're drunk, right? Curious if you've had any Yeah, for sure. I've definitely like had my fair share of like heart to hearts, like being drunk on a couch yeah, with someone. Right. You know? And, and all, yeah, because like those inhibitions do go away. And yeah, I mean, it's funny to say because like maybe you've heard the term of vulnerability hangover. And oh, yeah. like sometimes after having like a sober conversation with it, like just having a really deep conversation, and maybe the next day I'll feel like, oh, like maybe I share too much. Maybe like they're judging me, this and that. And and that's mm. a real feeling. I mean, for me, I can like feel that in my body when that happens for me. And it's for me, it's less pleasant than an actual hangover, but mm. or less. Sorry, it's not it's not nearly as unpleasant. Yeah. Um, what is that about the about not having the inhibitions when you're drunk with another person? I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's like it's not genuine it's not genuine connection like there's no guarantee that either of you are going to remember that conversation first of all and then secondly it's like it didn't come out of a space of like i truly want to share this with this person it's like there's something chemically happening with your brain where like something else something is depressed enough that like you're allowing the truth or or whatever type of thing to come out and it's like it's not the same as like doing the freaking work to get to like the raw stuff that's underneath all of the things that we're using as as shields Mm, mm, mm. yeah yeah i'm i'm curious first of all i think the vulnerability hangover for me comes from the amount of attention and emotional support Mm. i find myself getting really focused and tuned in and being completely there with that person Mm -hmm when I'm having an intimate connection like that. And I think for me, um, for me, it's, it's like, it's just the sheer focus that I bring to a conversation that involves vulnerability that really drains me. Interesting. And, and I think like, it's interesting because there's a whole extrovert introvert spectrum, right? Where do you get energy from? What, what environments do you prefer? Like, I truly believe that we all can get energy from other humans. Yeah. If, if we learn the skills to unlock joy in others, it's, it's like we can't, we can't 
it, it's very difficult to go into a room with a thousand people having a good time and waving at you and being like, welcome, how's it going? And like, you're just not going to smile and just stay really, really like, <laughs> well, it's very, it's not really that possible. Mm-hmm. And so I get more energy from almost more superficial, like positive interactions, less intellectual, more feelings. Like we're just on the same emotional vibe. And then it's like these really vulnerable conversations where I'm exhausting my attention. That's when I have this hangover. I'm curious what what it's like for you. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, for me, I think it's it's less about the the deep attention I might be giving to another. And I, I see how that, I think that's exhausting for me, but it doesn't result in like the vulnerability hangover, even though there is vulnerability mm-hmm. in like listening and receiving another person's vulnerability. Because yeah, we don't like really receive it unless we're actually willing to feel what it is that they're feeling. But yeah, I think for me, it's more it's more on the sharing side of like, yeah, if I shared something that feels yeah. really vulnerable and, and the fear of judgment or whatever it is that comes mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, it's interesting. It brings to mind uh, a research article I read, of course, by the queen of vulnerability, Brene Brown. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so, so at the very beginning of my sessions, so I lead these online uh, social, social bonding fun celebration sessions uh, for companies. And at the beginning of my sessions, I cite this research that I came across by Brene Brown, and it talks about how our perceptions are skewed. Um, our perceptions of others, perceptions of our vulnerability, those perceptions are skewed. So yes. we believe that people may judge us or find us to be weak, but it's like the opposite. It's that they find us to be courageous and and there's so much research about like rapport and showing weakness and so if mm. you're a leader one example is some research on public speaking mm-hmm. if you are a public speaker and you are imperfect mm-hmm. the audience connects with you more yeah. and you have a higher rapport and I, I think that makes so much sense because totally. if you're managing your impression by just like speaking in a very like fake way, like you can just tell if someone isn't saying like, um, yeah, like, you know, like this stuff, right. Yeah. You can just tell that they've rehearsed the whole thing mm-hmm. and it's just not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that, that our perception of other people's perceptions are often very, very, very <laughs> skewed. Yeah, yeah, but but it's actually the perception of the perception of the perception of the other. <laughs> no, just kidding. This We're is not how meta crazy. can we make? <laughs> so crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, but back to what we were saying about the whole sobriety thing. Yes. This is this is the question I want to ask you. When you remove someone's inhibitions, do they become more themselves or less themselves? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they become, to me, they become more who they really are and a lot less of who they're used to being. Who mm. they're less of who they normally present as, maybe, like maybe less of how other people typically see them. Um, yeah. yeah, and down to something that's like deeper and likely messier. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super interested in the question, does alcohol deepen connection or does it uh, hinder connection? And so I've really thought about how intoxication impacts um, authenticity. Mm -hmm. There's a sweet spot and there's also different forms of authenticity, right? Like there's, it's a deep uh, cave, but essentially like you can be authentic by being vulnerable. And, but then there's also like, if we take the example of a super, super drunk person, just like not really thinking, um, that might be some form of, of like expression, something that they've never expressed before. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's say if men are, you know, there's like, I've witnessed so many fights between drunk people. I used to be an emergency medic at music festivals. Mm -hmm. And I think like that, that, these these things that are normally the these behaviors we normally don't engage in because we are inhibited because there's these social norms it's almost like that's inauthentic like we're not actually acting on those tendencies on those urges mm-hmm. and and we don't know how to express ourselves in a healthy way and i think that anger is yes. definitely part of that equation for men right and alcohol yeah and I mean that's the other thing and I wonder about this a lot with like especially in company culture and how happy hours are always the thing that they're doing to get people to like bond and you know whether or not someone's getting like totally wasted at a happy hour I don't know I'd imagine it happens more often than I think it does but like whatever even witnessed it yeah (laughs) even having just one or two drinks and like loosening up a little bit and it's like does this actually help us exercise the real muscles that we need to be working in order to actually feel more connected with one another? Or are we using this as yet another crutch of something like I can't actually feel connected with my colleagues unless I'm drunk, unless there's some outside factor coming in and helping me to feel that way. And yeah, it's like, why aren't we like working the muscles that we need to train in order to let down those walls and to find empathy for another person and feel actually connected on something that's happening between us versus like, oh, we're all here at a bar together. And that's the thing that's bonding us together. I love that you're bringing in the, the sustainability of relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious that if we cultivate the ability to connect with others while sober, that's going to provide us with a lot Uh, a lot of benefits outside that specific social situation. Um, And Mm -hmm. also, if we can cultivate the ability to create joy on demand through a set of like, you know, behaviors and almost tools, then we also achieve this much higher level of freedom, of like mental freedom. Um, And we, you know, I... One of the missions of Vive is to shift how humans source their joy. Yeah. So how, like, in your opinion, what do you, like, how do, how do humans source their joy in your opinion? Like what, what Mm -hmm. comes to mind? Yeah. 
First of all, I love that you're asking me questions. This is like very <laughs> nourishing. <laughs> um, how do humans source their joy? Well, the first thing that came to me was like through a lot of external factors. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and it's funny. I'm as I'm thinking of what these uh, tools might be that people typically use. I'm like, are they really? Is it joy that they're sourcing, or is it just like distraction from what's unpleasant? And that's sort of more the thing. Is like, is like, all right, there's like social media and vacations and money and possessions, whatever it is, and like these can bring people joy, but a lot. Of, it's like, are they like, are we? Are they bringing us like a certain level of temporary satisfaction? Is it really yeah. just yeah, as a distraction? And I I love yeah, that. How most people source it, I'm I could not tell you. I love what you've said because, yeah, I, I think there's different versions of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be joy that's sourced just because we're avoiding a negative situation, like going on our phones when, uh, when we're thinking about a sensitive conversation we have to have with someone and we're completely avoiding that mm-hmm. and scrolling. Or, um, and then you contrast that to the joy that you experience while you're on an adventure with your best friends. Mm-hmm. There's no, there, you're not distracting yourself from anything. You're just like purely in the moment. So I like how you kind of created this, this almost like categorization model for joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that we source most of our joy uh, through entertainment. Uh, most of which I think is digital entertainment nowadays. Yeah. I would like us to source more joy from human interactions. Mm. Because I think mm-hmm. that within every human is an infinite reservoir of joy. Yeah. And so that's how I look at, like, if I see a bunch of people on the beach. I know that every single, if I interact with a human on the beach or if I bring them all together, it's like we're, we're opening the floodgates of this infinite reservoir of joy. It really makes me sad that we're kind of seeing this migration of our joy sources to much more superficial, short-term sources of joy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like that's, that's kind of what, the whole entertainment system concerts bars it's it's kind of based on yeah like turning off your brain and and like a temporary release from your work right i think this is how like the workaholic culture is sustained yeah you you go to work you hate your job and what keeps you working at that job is the fact that you can shut your brain off after work and drink yes. with coworkers and i i i think that yeah, I just, I met like, when I was in Europe, I, I noticed that like everyone would just go, everyone was outside the office building at a bar and they're all just drinking. It's it's interesting. I'm wanting to like pull on a, a little bit of a different thread here that I feel like we haven't touched on yet. I'm curious, I want to phrase this question well. As a person who is this chief celebration scientist, what kind of experiences, I'm curious sort of like going into your past a little bit. So without asking you the question, like, how did you get into this? Because it's an awful question. Just, yeah, I hate that question. But what is it about your experiences with 
partying, with celebration, with joy? Like what are the things that cause you to like be so passionate about creating sober experiences for people to really come together in a way that's meaningful, self-created, co-created joy? How does that happen to a person? Yeah. I really think that if if people had experience, I, I, I think this is a great way to empathize with anyone. If you had had their life experiences, you would probably be in their position as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe the same. I think that if, and like there's an array, there's an array of experiences that were influential mm-hmm. in my career path or in my rejection of career. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just seeing if uh, I can bring up uh, a short video here, which I'll find in a second. But what I think it really comes down to is that the best moments in my life have been moments when I have created a magical, ecstatic moment mm-hmm. with thousands, hundreds of strangers. And I think I had my first taste of that when I was in like second year of university and I started planning these bike raves and I'd had this giant megaphone and this, this bike chariot. I'd witness the joy that I um, helped release mm-hmm. in the crowd. And that has has been something that I've grown addicted to. To go a, a layer deeper, um, I was in my first year of universities when I really shifted into more of this, I'm going to jump into public and I am going to seek discomfort and I'm going to grow as much as possible. I'm going to talk to so many strangers. I'm going to high five strangers and then I'm going to get high because that's how I like to get high. Like Aww. I kind of developed this like mindset and like, <laughs> I, I would that. do that. I would do that. I would, I would do these social experiments and I would just get this massive rush and I'd just be like, who can I spread joy to today? Um, and that really flourished in my first year of university. And I think I hypothesized it was because that I was with the most supportive group of men in an all boys house that cheered me on. Mm. And I remember my house president, Andy Jun is his name. He was like ahead of me. He was, he was a cheerleader. He was so spirited and had so much energy and he wasn't afraid to look like an idiot in front of people. And I think like I did it a few times and he just positively reinforced that behavior so much uh, until like three months in, I would do these cafeteria announcements at university where I would like blow a whistle in front of 200 people in sweatpants, like just a total joke. (laughs) And I'd be like, hey, everyone, we're doing a bike rave. Who's got a bike and who likes to rave? Put up your hand. It's like just like goofy stuff. This is like the most alive I've ever felt is when mm-hmm. I am facilitating this ecstatic, like magical celebration for thousands of people. And in the beginning, it was just like a few small experiences where I made a few people laugh. But I feel like as I realized more and more that every time I could spread smiles, it would drastically change my mood. And 
make me feel amazing and give me just this adrenaline hit, almost like bungee jumping. Uh, then I just, it was just reinforcing. So I just kept going. And then in 2017, I led this like giant hike rave through the mountains with music. And then in 2018, I led this like airport flash mob where we welcomed everyone into the airport with like big sound systems. And 2019, uh, what did we do? We did like an undie run through the UBC library. Nice. Yeah, it's been, it's been a good time. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What you're helping people to do is again, yeah, to bring joy from within themselves and, and yeah, to mm. co-create it, which is like the whole thing about celebrations is like, it doesn't work if only one person is doing it. And there's a way that we can find that connection all together to like want to create it all together. It, it yeah. doesn't even, I think, I think that's a big thing of what I take from your work is like, it doesn't take a specific type of person to want to be a part of a celebration. It's like, this is within all of us to want to celebrate together. Um, and it's just a matter of like the science of pulling that out. Yeah. We're all born with this neurological hardwiring mm -hmm. for experiencing euphoria mm -hmm. through, through human connection. Yeah. And yeah, my, my life's pursuit has been figuring out how to do that on planes, beaches, trains, you know, just, and, and in these like super corporate environments. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I could seriously talk to you all freaking day about these things, but I want to be conscious of our time. And there are two things I want to do before we close. Well, the first is that I would love for you to tell all the people where they can find information about you and about Vive and how they can bring this to their corporate spaces. Um, and then I want to ask you a series of like lightning round questions that I ask all my guests before we close. Love it. Love it. It reminds me of like Oprah's top five soul to soul questions that I wrote down at one she point. She has that? Yeah, you got to check it out. Okay, I'm check out her soul, <laughs> her soul podcast. Um, yeah, so we, we are a global community. Um, and what the hub, the headquarters of our vibing movement for the people who really see celebration as this powerful element for living a meaningful, uh, growing, healthy life. Uh, it's called the Vive Hive Global. You can join our Facebook group. And then we also, I also run a blog. I mean, you can find me, uh, the party scientist or chief celebration scientist. You can just Google that and I'll probably pop up. Um, the one thing I'd encourage everyone to do is uh, join in on one of our virtual vibes where we kind of talk about philosophy. And then we also have a short energizer where we give you some tools to bring people together. Um, and that happens every Wednesday, but this Wednesday is Canada day. So it's canceled <laughs> this. Yeah. But, but forget that because you know, <laughs> Ky Kyla's not going to be able to edit this within like the next. Two it's days. true. I will not <laughs> listening to this after July 1st, which you are then. Yeah. Yeah. You're still on this Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Let's feel the lightning. 
All right, let's feel the lightning. And also one thing I should clarify about this lightning round is that you don't have to go fast at all, which I forgot is a, is like the main quality of lightning rounds. Be like, should I answer really fast? I'm like, oh, um, no, you don't have to. <laughs> um, okay. Whatever comes to mind first, I will answer. Okay. First question. What is something that most people wrongly assume about you? I have no mission and I'm just uh, a drunk kid running around with the speaker trying to cause havoc. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that people don't really see the value of Mm. the work that I'm doing. Mm. Um, But I've, I've saved people's lives. People have come mm-hmm. up to me and said that your invitational experience saved my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we really need to educate because we live in this toxic culture where if you see a bunch of people dancing on the street, they're either drunk, they're insane, or they're doing it selfishly and they're not trying to benefit the community around them. Mm. So yeah, I feel like people don't see the value of transformative celebration and mm. they judge me as as being just this like disruptor. Um, and yeah, they think like I look really, I don't look drunk, but like I am on a different level. Totally. These things, right? So <laughs> people make, people assume. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Question two, what is something that you would like to be acknowledged more for in your life? Mm, mm. Wow. I love this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I would say, I, I would say my, my health hacking habits. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know this about you. I am a biohacker, so I pay a lot of attention to my health, and very few people fully embrace that part of me and realize how uh, being around super healthy people, like, it makes you way healthier too. Uh, mm. So yeah, that's, that's my, my health obsession. Oh my gosh, I am so excited that this is a new fun fact I just learned about you. I'm also a big nutrition nerd. So it's uh, oh. one more thing for us to connect on later. Um, yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Third one is what do most people learn from you? I would say how to not give a fuck. Beautiful, simple. And last question. I'm excited to hear your answer on this. What is one of your favorite questions to ask other people to help you to get to know them? Mm, what has been one of the happiest moments of your life? Mm, love that. Yeah. And I really encourage them to like describe it in detail. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is actually a technique called active constructive responding, where you encourage someone to relive the experience. And what that does is it creates so much joy mm. in the interaction. Oh, I love that. Well, Jacques, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad that we got to connect and, and yeah, that Jan connected us and that we were able to talk all these things. I seriously like could talk to you forever about celebration and gatherings of all kinds because yeah, I know there's a lot of 
a lot of methodology behind what you do and it's really important and special bringing this joy to the world. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kyla. I'll leave everyone with one of my favorite quotes. Nothing is cool except having fun, feeling good and sharing that with others. Let's go out in the world, make it happen. Okay, y'all, there you have it. That was episode 24 with Jacques Martiquet. I hope you loved it. Definitely check out Vive and all the things that Jacques is up to. You can find all of that in the show notes and I will be back with you next week. I love you so much. Thanks for listening.